1: presented by t-mobile the official wireless partner of odyssey sports with an awesome network and great savings there's never been a better time to join t-mobile visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today
2: welcome to speed city with john massingill les kaiser and jonathan green it's the fastest hour on the radio speed city
0: Good evening gearheads. Welcome to snowy, stormy Austin, Texas. We are uh, recovering still from a crazy snow day today in Austin and we got lots of motorsports to talk about. This is John Massingale and I've got Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser with me. How's it going, boys?
1: Well, good.
3: Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
4: Oh man, I, I wanted to get out on my inner tube and slide down Turn One at Circuit of America. It's like half the rest of Austin.
0: <laughs> That's right, man. I, it's funny. I checked my Twitter. I was like, I bet you Coda's tweeted, and they hadn't. And I bet it was two minutes later they tweeted that great photo. There it is.
3: Look at that!
0: Isn't that awesome? I love those. That's not tracks. the right
3: line, though. He's gonna be. He's gonna miss <laughs> his apex there. Absolutely,
0: and he's also going the wrong way.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, amazing! I never thought I'd see that. So Big Red is officially all white.
0: <laughs> exactly the new, the new termed Big Red. Man, it was crazy. It rained. I mean, it snowed in at my house from nine thirty this morning until about almost four o'clock today. And I think officially we only had a couple inches, but some places around Austin had five, six inches. So it was, it was crazy. I mean, look at Coda, That had to be at least three or four inches of snow, if not more. That was wild. Yeah, our
4: uh, our yard, my next-door neighbor, measured about four inches in northwest Austin. So, yeah, it, it uh, varied quite a bit. But, yeah, uh, you know, I've got about a five-foot snowman out in the front yard that the kids built. Uh, I believe it, man. It was all was... convened right in my yard and did it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I got it.
0: <laughs> well, I want to run down what we're talking on the show tonight. We're going to talk a little Formula One. We're going to talk a little World Endurance Championship. We're going to talk a little IMSA, a little MotoGP maybe even some w series and maybe a little trans am since we got jonathan green with us who who's already been on the microphone most of the day doing trans am in fact why don't we just start with that jonathan tell us what you guys did today
3: yeah we did um our uh honors ceremony for the 2020 season and i don't know how much you know but trans am managed to get all the way to kota um despite covid uh we had watkins Glen cancelled and we also had our last round at uh, Laguna, uh, Laguna Seca Council, but we had double headers at other ones to make up. And we managed to pull off a full season. And so today uh, on, Cyberth- uh, on on the internet, we did our full uh, honors awards, tucks and all. And um, yeah, it was great fun. And a lot of people zoomed in and um, videoed in and we, we got it underway and we got it done. And big hats off to John Claggett and Tony Perella who run the series, both SVRA and Trans Am. For pulling it off, because against all odds, uh, I mean, I mean, amazing, really.
0: Well, I, I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, there I, you go.
0: I, there we go. I was going to say, where's that photo? Because, see, I want everybody to see if you're watching us on social media, look yeah. at the way Jonathan dresses for that show. And then for our show.
3: Yeah, but the the, the money's quite different, though. <laughs> oh, if that's the case, we We're
0: not even sure if he's wearing pants. <laughs> Uh, Well, anyway, that was good fun, Jonathan. I got to watch.
3: Where are the cameras?
0: (laughs) I got to watch a good bit of that. But all right, guys, I want to jump into some Formula One because a good story this week. And another American, another good sized American company uh, stepped into Formula One recently. And that is American IT firm Cognizant as the new sponsor for, uh, for Aston Martin. And it's just really cool because I mean, we've been talking about it over and over about more and more and more involvement in uh, Formula One by American companies. And this is a publicly traded firm. This is a a firm that trades on the Nasdaq, and so this is a they're really a multinational brand based here in Austin. But they are looking to broaden their global reach, and so the team will be known as Austin. No, 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 they're not. They're not based in. But but they're gonna the team's gonna be known as the Aston Martin cognizant Formula One team. So I mean, this is not just a little bit of involvement.
3: I'm cognizant cognizant of that. (laughs) Yeah, there
4: you go. They're actually based up in New Jersey, kind of like Austin, but not. But they did. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Casey's showing the uh, the new sign out front there, uh, where they've updated the Aston Martin sign. Uh, It's a company that deals with all types of IT. Uh, automation of it and data information reporting uh, artificial intelligence is one moniker that they get into but uh, really they are a global entity even though based here in the US and i think it's a i think that's another milestone we've been looking for is to see a company like this american based get tied into formula 1 we're, we're step by step here we go yeah. Yeah, and
3: also it's not just um, it's not just a sticker on the car either. Uh, this is a, a genuine partnership like Dell have um, with McLaren and, 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 and have with other companies. but this is an IT partner. They are going to do the IT infrastructure for the Aston Martin team. So that's significant because that truly is uh, I mean you know that's as important as your oil in these days, Um, you know what I mean? Um, And so to have an IT partner that you can grow and actually concentrate on the needs that Formula One has. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of our Trans Am guys, Maurice Hull, uh, his son does the IT for the Haas team. I'm hoping to get him on. Um, But you imagine trying to coordinate between North Carolina, Italy, the UK, and live from 23 rounds. Uh, IT is key.
4: You know, it, it, there's so much data involved in Formula One. I could see Cognizant being involved in actually the uh, the appraisal or the analysis of the data for the team, uh, potentially even real time and uh, helping it much like the McLaren IT services organization supporting some of their teams.
3: Yeah. You've muted, John. Come back to us.
0: I don't know how I did that. Uh, well, that this company, Cognizant, is they're going to jump right in and but they do they're very broad they're not just data but they also do they're going to help them with their new website with their social media appearances and all that too so it's a pretty a very broad involvement so can this I make, is going to be fun
3: yeah and can i make another comment you know it's easy to forget once you move forward with force india and so on and so forth this team aston martin cognizant f1 was the original Little team that could, way before Haas came along, and that's Jordan F1, right outside Silverstone, one of the smallest teams ever. Uh, the first team that Michael Schumacher drove for, uh, Damon Hill drove for them. Um, but what a, what a, what a, I mean, you know, Aston Martin as a Brit, um, you know, one of the greatest names yeah. in motor racing. I believe they may well be taking the famous British racing colours of British racing green. Uh, that dark green that you you know of that, that, that was the British, um, you know, back in the day when it was Italy red and France blue. Well, um, racing green was uh, the British colors with Bentley uh, and Aston Martin. And I was very uh, lucky uh, about 20 years ago to go to the return of Aston Martin with my uncle Brian Redman um, to Le Mans. And so for Aston Martin to be back in Formula One, or in Formula One alone uh, is is an amazing story because there was thought just a few years ago that Aston Martin may not survive. So hats off to to Stroll and his team, and, and to effectively this new look Aston Martin not Stroll, excuse me uh, to, to to Aston Martin um, as it's now called. But uh, look at look at look at look at the the changes in the last few years, and of course Vettel will be yeah, there.
0: Yeah, I know it's just really it's a going to be a. Uh, just a dramatic change. So but again, American companies more involved. We love to see that. So I I'd love to talk about the story.
4: And if your budget's
0: not that deep, send
4: us an email, info at speedcitybroadcast.com. We have a budget for you. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> we'll get you involved in Formula One. <laughs> there you go. Um another great story that I want to talk about not in Formula One, but this is a WEC story. Uh is it Porsche? This is not brand new, but I wanted to talk about it tonight. But Porsche Moving back into the World Endurance Championship, but not in the LMP one like we're used to seeing Porsche, but in the, the LMDH, you know, this new hypercar uh level of series of the series. And Can this you is explain gonna be really to me exciting. what a
3: hypercar is.
0: All right. Okay. So there's fast and there's faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because the term hypercar has been thrown around. You know, we've we used to go you know muscle car then there was supercar and whatever sports car and now there's you know you, for street cars you talk about hypercars like the LaFerrari or the 918 but in this in racing this hypercar is going to be it's going to look sort of like what i just described kind of like a LaFerrari or a McLaren Senna or a 918 or something like that but this is the new class in um in WEC and they're going to be about Uh, a thousand kilos i think is this is the the, uh weight rating and with a hybrid system of about 700 horsepower but they're gonna look like you know some super crazy high-end i think the McLaren senna i just saw one of those on saturday and i think that's probably a good example of what they're as far as the closest thing they'll look like but it's gonna be it's you know it's this whole new class and they're gonna be uh jointly racing in IMSA as well as WEC too. So. And
3: cuss combust, combustion, or is it going to be a combination?
0: They're hybrids.
3: It's
4: They're hybrids. And uh, visually, what it reminds me of is uh, certainly LaFerrari, you know, front-end-esque kind of thing, even the Senna's and and so many of those. But the back end, uh, preliminary designs of it show that it still has the dorsal fin that we saw of the WEC car's. Uh, leaving from the passenger caba- uh, cabin back towards the rear wing spoiler. So uh, it's, it's a different mix and a uh, of what almost seems like two classes to me in far as the, uh, the aerodynamics and the aspects of the vehicle. Still a very, very cool system. Uh, Porsche is back in there. Remember, we talked about it. It's probably been two years ago that Porsche was involved in developing some of the power plant and power unit regulations for FIA as they were going to apply to Formula One. So there's been uh, there's been hints or questions. Is this is Porsche still considering coming back to Formula One? Uh, they never have vocally really stated it very strongly, but the powertrain definitely ties into this hypercar.
0: Yeah, and Jonathan, you know, you and I did the commentary for them when they came to WEC, and we were, you know, they were talking about this. I mean, when WEC came to COTA early this, yeah. <laughs> early last year now, 2020, and they were talking about it as, as far back as then. And so it's going to be, it's just, I just love the fact that Porsche back in it. You know, we, I want to see, you know, we had the rumors of Porsche getting back into Formula One with uh, Powertrain or whatever, but. Um,
3: it's big for WEC. It's definitely uh, very important to them.
0: Yeah. And, and you realize, you know, this is, involves uh, IMSA too, because of the way they're, and, and we'll get in. We'll dig into that at some time in the next couple of weeks about how that's going to be, uh, how, how the integration between the two of them. But, but Jonathan, um, I want to talk about this story about your your buddy Davide Brivio, But I want to do this after the break because we're up against it. So let's go ahead and do that first break. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. We'll have some more on Formula One and all the rest of the series later in the show. You're listening to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break.
6: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas Ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town, in your favorite store, or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas.
7: As a rider, you know what you like. Talk 137, the right choice. Roger Hayden, Factory Yoshimura Suzuki. This is Speed City.
2: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. That's a good segue with Roger Hayden leading us back
0: from the break. Jonathan, let's talk about this Suzuki Moto GB. Uh, change that just happened. This just happened this what, about Wednesday of this week, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, by the way, I just uh, put on the the dicky bow for you, just you know, because you were complaining about my lack of tucks. So, um, but yeah, um Suzuki. Suzuki's history. Why would you do that? In, I, I, I have no. <laughs> Thank idea. you. Thank you. Whoever said that, thank you. Uh, I, I I won't do it again. I'm, I apologise. That was just frivolous and silly of me. But that that is my wound, and I have been locked up for nine months. So yeah, well, you've anyway, also been on
0: the radio for eight hours straight. But you know, mic.
3: just to give you a potted history, Suzuki um, are one of the smallest teams in motorcycle racing. Uh, Kevin Schwantz, of course, our own uh, Austin, Texas uh, hero, was a world champion for them in 93. Kenny Roberts, Jr., son of Kenny Roberts, was a champion for them in 2000 and I want to say 2002, maybe 2003. Uh, And then Juan Mir, finally, in the new return of uh, Suzuki back to MotoGP, uh, they came back in 2015 to much fanfare, of course, Uh, weren't successful right away, but have been since and have won um you know won a title with one mere so Davide Brivio uh was first of all a Yamaha world superbike team manager that's when I got to know him very well uh he then moved over to Suzuki for that project in 2015 and has been very successful since and it's come as quite a shock that he's been picked up by Renault um or what will be now the new name Alpine uh, F1, which again is Renault going back to their roots, uh, as Aston Martin are, uh, but uh, Alpine is the name of their race wing, if you will, uh, for yeah. Renault, and it was made famous during the rally years, um, the Alpine team, or Alpine team, whichever you prefer, uh, and the rumor is, it's not been confirmed yet, but the rumor around the press this week is that Brivio is gone uh, from MotoGP and will be swapping over to four wheels and to um the Alpine Renault F1 team, which makes things very interesting because that's a, a big shake-up. Cyril Abatebol, the, uh, the the manager that you've seen on Drive to Survive and who is the French head of the Renault team, is staying with uh, the team, but he's going basically going to go behind it. He's going to have a desk job rather than being on the pit wall, but Brivio will be doing the day-to-day um, team running, uh, and I think he'll be fantastic at it. I think um, there is just as much that goes into MotoGP um, as there is in Formula One, and I think it'll be refreshing to see what he can do because he he really is new to Formula One. But being an Italian, he'll he'll know his racing um, uh, four wheel and two.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It's gonna be good. We'll have to keep an eye on this and see what happens. But I uh, I know you had. Yeah, I, I think you know him actually, don't you? Are you you've met. Yeah, I know him very
3: well. Actually, he's a lovely man, and in fact, he was the guy that. Uh, um helped Ben Spees uh, back in the day um be so successful in World Superbike um so he's he's quite a character and a really really lovely guy um I hope we can get him on the show because um he's one of those guys that you love as a reporter as a pit reporter to talk to because he can't be anything but honest you know he he <laughs> he just doesn't know how to be you know uh, diplomatic he says it like it is if it's bad he'll tell you if it's good he'll tell you
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, well, let's switch back to Formula One. Uh, first of all, I want to start with uh, Lando Norris. He announced on Wednesday on Twitter that he attested tested positive for COVID, COVID and he was quarantining, and there hasn't been any update that I've seen on that. I so... did
3: see that he tweeted that um, he was feeling okay, which is, you know, I mean, a lot yeah. of the COVID cases are asymptomatic. And what I mean by that is, especially when you're an athlete like he is, um, you can hopefully uh, sometimes get a, a a rare case where you get positive, but you're not actually feeling ill. And he, he's not saying that he's feeling ill, but he has definitely tested positive.
0: Yeah, tested positive in quarantining. So, uh, you know, not surprising that he's asymptomatic being 20-whatever years old. What is he, 21, 22 21, years I think, old? yeah. So not surprising. Um, some other news this week, of course, is that it looks like uh, that the Australian Grand Prix may be postponed and they're saying and maybe it sounds like pretty strongly last i know you were digging into this story but it looks like absolutely
4: uh you know what's going on is Australia is still maintaining very strong controls around the uh around travelers coming into the country and uh rightfully so they're looking, some of the concerns are to uh, go even further than they have been uh you know we didn't get to have the Australian gp last year at the beginning of the season and so they're looking at uh, several days quarantining i think it was two weeks quarantining is what they're proposing well that's a big impact somebody that's traveling in there for you know, perpetually only or supposedly only for a weekend the other thing is they're also looking at changing the testing there's also usually testing at that event was what was scheduled for this year and uh, that Because of uh, what's going on, the testing will also be impacted and will be bumped back to the Bahrain race instead, uh, just because the Australian race is in limbo right now. So that's consideration that if the Australian race doesn't take place because of all the, the accommodations that are going on for the pandemic, then you can expect the testing to take place at Bahrain a couple of weeks later.
3: I think this is a misstep from Formula One, and I don't. I don't mean to criticise in terms of, uh, but I think it, it's something that they should have perhaps thought about. And I think there's two two things going on here. Traditionally, Australia has always had um, that date in March for literally 20 years, and it's a very successful event. And obviously, we got right there to literally the midnight before. Uh, the Australian Grand Prix, before they shut it all down this this year. And quite rightly, they did too. But when I say it's a misstep, uh, they could have seen the, the tea leaves on this one because before that is one of the biggest um, uh, tennis tournaments, the Australian Open, which happens every year in February. And that was moved back quite some time ago. A long
0: time ago, yeah.
3: Yeah, and that was moved back to early March. And so for an event that takes part, the place, uh, late January, early February. What you tend to get is the tennis players coming in to Australia mid-January and doing some peripheral tournaments, uh, both in New Zealand and Australia, as a, as a warm-up to the Australian Open. And so those players would be in Australia for a good month or so. And so the writing was on the wall because if you can't hold that uh, on time, then how are you going to hold an event in March on time? So And it's in Melbourne too. Um, I know this quite quite uh, clearly because I'm supposed to be in New Zealand right now um, doing the Toyota racing series uh, and they too opened it up for international drivers but they just don't have room to do the quarantine um, in New Zealand so we're all stuck on the outside unfortunately so I think it's a bit of a misstep but I also understand it um, because it's such a traditional date and I'm sure Victoria the, the the province wants to keep it um, you know, uh, at that date, because it's a traditional date in Formula One. But I think they should have really thought it. And I hate to be the, the bearer of a harbinger of bad news. But if you want my take, my sources tell me that we won't be going Formula One racing until Bahrain.
0: Mm.
4: Could very well. You know, some of the things that they that were brought up in one of the forums is the cost for a team to go there. If they're going to go there and they have to be quarantined for even 10 days, that's a substantial budget outlay for them yeah. to uh, have someone get there and then uh, be in the hotel or accommodations such as that for 10 days. And, you know, especially to these lower budget teams, that's a big impact to uh, add that in as well. So as it is, uh, the, the, uh, the expectation is that this will be postponed and worked back into the schedule later in the year. And uh, we'll see how it
3: goes the yeah, testing, more- as I
4: said, move into Bahrain.
0: Yeah, that could that could treat some more of those back to back to backs. Um, yeah, the nearest had.
3: race to actually, interestingly enough, um, you could basically add uh, Singapore uh, to being its closest. I mean, it's not close by any means, it's an eight hour flight. But in terms geographically, um, obviously the Far East, um, Singapore, China, and it's, it's butted with China now. So that's where it was expected to be. Uh, Vietnam may, may, may finally get its wish uh, if Australia's cancelled because, of course, they were prepared to have an event, but they got left off the calendar, which to me, again, was a very strange maneuver because, you know, Hanoi had done all the hard work and, and built a fantastic circuit ready for 2020. Uh, obviously, COVID then came, but um, why not go back there? Um, yeah. So, you know, th- there's, a, th- there's another factor, if you will. Uh, and yeah. Malaysia could come back because that track's not gone anywhere um and it too can host formula one events
4: now yeah. you've got one thing you know, you mentioned singapore you know as far as geographics uh, singapore is set for october 1st which is one week after sochi the russia grand prix the week after singapore is the japanese in suzuka and that's the october 8th 9th 10th weekend you don't get another vacant weekend until the week between the japanese and the usgp now that's, a, that's that's quite a fur piece from australia to austin
0: well what about the to be the tbc date when's that back in april let me have to see the calendar
3: that should be holland shouldn't it
0: yeah i think so but nothing's been confirmed that is
4: april 23rd uh correct and uh the Zanfort. Uh, site, and so, uh, gosh, that, that we got to see that run. I uh, I originally had considered going over and trying to make it to that race, but our pandemic is uh, still raging too much for me to consider that myself.
3: Well, the big question is, will it have stopped snowing in Austin before the 25th of October? <laughs> I think it'll
4: stop snowing before we're off air.
3: Okay,
0: <laughs> I think it already has. And uh, you know what, guys, though, we have proved, I say we, Formula One has proved. That they have figured out how to do this right, and without yep. without fans in the stands. And so Lando's what the fourth player because we had we had Checo, we had um, we had who in between Checo and Hamilton was there? Uh, oh, it was it was Lance Stroll, right? So Checo, Lance and Stroll, Lewis. Lewis Hamilton, and now Lando. Right. So four yeah. drivers. Now you know Lando after the season, so we don't want to count that one. So the point is they figured out how to do it, and yeah. there there was no major you know, uh, super spreader events. There was no major meltdowns of of teams because of too many people getting COVID. So they have figured it out. So maybe we can, you know, continue on with some semblance of normalcy to the schedule. And um, I mean, we're talking, if we do have to de- delay, that does, at least we could, st- if Bahrain happens, that's still a March start. So that would still be, that would still be at least a somewhat normal season. So we'll yeah, and of happen. course,
3: obviously, with Bahrain right at the end of last year, uh, and and it being pretty pretty temperate all year round, um, they can test there, and um, they could have potentially left equipment there anyway. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it, good you point. Know, it's it's not a hard place to go to um, straight off the bat. And in terms of you know, Europe's out of the question really. End of February, early March is still too cold, really. Um, you know, that's why they test in Barcelona uh, because that's I mean, one of the so- few places in Europe.
4: Yeah, I misspoke on that. The uh, Dutch GP Zandvoort is the beginning of September. It is the Spanish GP that is That's in right. May, uh, which is where I was considering somewhere around May, potentially that break just before it uh, was an opportunity to fill in. So, Yeah, and
3: that too is a traditional date for Barcelona uh, in early May. So.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, let's go and take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. I want to talk a little bit more about the Formula One calendar, and then we have some other goodies that we can talk about. You're listening to Speed City, and we're live in Austin, snowy Austin, Texas, and we'll be back after these messages.
5: or One in a Million, online at oneinamillion.com.
6: Talk
3: 1370. The right choice. Roger Hayden, Factory Yoshimura Suzuki. This is Speed City.
2: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City.
0: Yeah, with all this snow here in Austin, I mean... (laughs) Like, for example, normally I'm in the studio with you guys still doing Zoom because of COVID. I just stayed home and said, let's just do it uh, do it remote. So, hey, Bubba like and his mud
4: grips always causes problems. What's that? That <laughs> Bubba and his mud grips always causes trouble, trouble <laughs> on the snow. I'm,
3: I'm yeah. thinking of all the parents that are rolling their eyes going, oh, usually a snow day is like yay snow day now it's like another day with the kids at home okay
0: yeah in fact nothing's changed i mean like my <laughs> high schoolers what was that i don't even somebody know please think of the children <laughs> oh that was from the simpsons okay see that's i i don't i don't i never watched the simpsons we, we're i know i'm a weird person more, grandpa we're gonna get you out more i just don't like cartoons
7: Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You well, have a bad tomorrow, experience sports. with the Roadrunner or something? <laughs> yeah,
0: I've had a bad experience in a Roadrunner, but it was not a car. Me, me. Uh, We were talking Formula One calendar, great. and last, what was a, what we didn't talk about China, right?
4: Yeah, China. So China is still trying to uh, keep get control of things uh, around the pandemic. One of the things that they've mentioned is that they are uh, set to request that their schedule be delayed later on in the year, uh, just for the controls and being able to manage things as well. As it is now, the Chinese uh, Grand Prix is April 9th, 10th, and 11th. So you can understand that that's just right around the corner. Uh, You know, vaccines have just started hitting the street and getting out. And so, uh, you know, I totally understand, quite honestly, of any of these in the next few months wanting to go ahead and push back a little bit these uh these near the early part of the season uh to have a better handle on it quite honest and prepare for
0: it yeah hey let me give out the phone number 512-643-5483 um we ha- i didn't give it out earlier i wasn't sure if we were going to be able to take calls during zoom but we can and i think we um we've said we're gonna try to give away some tickets this like every show in 2021. So if anybody's listening and they've got something to contribute, give us a call and we'll figure out some tickets to give away because we've got NASCAR, MotoGP, and Formula One coming to Dakota So
3: Trans Am. Trans Am.
0: That's right. Yeah. SVRA. So 512-643-5483 if you want to join us. But let's continue. I guess the last story I want to talk about, about the Formula One calendar is, um, I guess this is, it's sort of new, but sort of old, but uh, and I don't want to go too far into this one, but Liberty's still talking about 24 race calendars with events rotating in. You know, so you know we got 23 if everything goes right next year. 24, and really the reason I'm talking about this is, uh, Jonathan, you and I talked about this off air about two weeks ago, but I wanted to get your take on this again about you know, and I think we talked to O'Neill about it too, Dave yeah, O'Neill. Yeah, Dave O'Neill.
3: Yeah. But yeah. I, <laughs> go, on. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah. What, what I, what were you, me, and Dave O'Neill to discuss? And Dave O'Neill, for those of you who don't know, was a former Haas and Jordan and um, Marussia team manager, uh, whose main job was the logistics uh, and running the team uh, for Gunter Steiner. And so it was his job to get things, get everybody to where they needed to be, uh, and, and basically plan the season. Uh, and his concern, for somebody who knows is that once you get up to 23, if not more, you're really, really pushing on people's time, energy, fatigue, uh, performance um, and everything else. uh, And wellness, too, because you're on the road for so long. And we've already just mentioned, potentially, uh, the first two Grand Prix's being cancelled or at least moved and if you move them then you then shrink the calendar but not the number of races but all that does is get more back-to-backs and that of course could then lead which is the real worry from someone like a dave o'neill is that you're then looking at potentially two sets of teams the hardware's easy you just send that around and you know you ship it and all the rest of it but the 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 software i.e the humans not so easy um and so I think uh, Liberty. Need, I mean, fine. I I see why they're they're doing it. There's a financial reason. They've lost a hundred million plus from this year or last year, excuse me, because of COVID. So they're trying to regroup and getting as many races on the calendar as a way to do that. But um, it does become tricky.
0: Yeah. Well, I wanted to mention, just because talking calendar, and it is going to be interesting to see how all that plays out, see if, li- li- what Liberty does. But, Jonathan, you had a story you put in our show, Doc, about Ferrari looking to expand Jacques Clare's role as Formula One's driver to other yeah. drivers, including yeah. Schumacher.
3: Well, in fact, I'm going to wrap this up in a, in a Haas uh, sort of latest, as it were. The Mazapan saga is over. Um so that and, and they have you know effectively said that he will be their driver, as will uh, Schumacher. But the interesting part is that Jock Clear, who last year was engineer for Charles Leclerc at Ferrari and formerly was at Williams and in fact was the engineer that took Jacques Villeneuve, the Canadian, to his world title in 97. So Jock Clear is one of the top engineers in Formula One, always has been. Uh, he's at Ferrari. He's been there a long time, but he's now been moved to look after distinctly, first of all, Mick Schumacher, and then the other juniors. And that means Callum Eilat, uh, um, uh, who is coming as a reserve driver for Ferrari, um, who also was in Formula Two last year. Um, he'll therefore also be working with Mazepan, uh and also with the current um juniors in Ferrari and that includes Robert Schwartzman from Russia and um, Armstrong um, from New Zealand. Those are all Ferrari junior drivers but the point is Jock Clear is a wise head um, and he's going to basically father or mentor uh, Mick Schumacher to learn how to use tire, you know, to basically teach him the, the dark secrets of managing a weekend in Formula One. And I think that's a really positive thing for Haas um, because he is, without doubt, one of the top engineers in Formula One. And Haas now have him at their disposal. And that wraps into the other story, which is that Haas will be building a, uh, a mini factory right outside Maranello. Now, supposedly, um, and also there's a chassis designer, mm. Resta, who I mentioned, who we mentioned in the previous show, also going to Haas. The reason for that is Benotto believes he has to um, not get rid of, but has to effectively farm out some of his staff because um, they've got too many, and with the with the um, the cap coming in, the, um, the the spend cap, they just can't have as many people at Maranello as they might want. So they're farming some of their their, their real talent out to Haas, but as a junior team, Haas will be able to also therefore. Um, you know, contribute to the overall movement of Ferrari and Haas forward as a team. So even though they'll be in separate uh, buildings uh, in the same town, you can't tell me that Jock Clear and whoever else might not go for a beer, um, you know, uh, in in um, in Italy. Uh, and I think we'll see a much closer relationship now that, that um, Haas are building in Italy. Uh, and that just bodes well for for America's only only Formula One team. I,
0: I love this. I, I love all of what you're talking about because I think back when Haas first joined, and there were low expectations, and there was all the controversy about the way they were doing, you know, using the Ferrari parts, and it's like it's like are they cheating? It almost felt like they were cheating because they were doing so well, and it was almost felt like Haas was on the outside of the of the real F1 fraternity. Yeah, and now. It feels like, okay, they've committed for another five years. I think that had a lot to do with it, right? They, they yep. said, we're in. And so not only you have that commitment, but you now you've got all this commitment from Ferrari. I think this really bodes well. Now, all that being said, I don't have high expectations for 2021 for Haas, but... Uh, no, I'm, but, but remember, one of,
3: the, one of the main problems that Haas had was getting that tire temperature, remember?
6: Yeah, and, yeah. And they
3: have now isolated that to potentially a chassis issue. So if you've got a, a chassis designer and a chassis builder who's just come from Ferrari, then to Alfa Romeo, and now he's at Haas. And so he has seen the development of three distinctly different cars um, in the last 10 years. And he's, without doubt, if you're working Ferrari, you're going to be one of the best. So, you know, that does bode well for me uh, to see Haas um, have that side of things maybe attended to. Uh, and that issue that they had with keeping temperature uh, and effectively having tire issues could be solved uh, with the right chassis design.
0: Yep. That's going to be... Uh, I, I hope you're right. Let's, let's hope that Haas has figured it out. Last, I want to go to you next because... You were texting back and forth with Santino Ferrucci earlier today. What's going on with Santino?
4: Ah well Santino is in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a bowl of uh, j- bowl, uh, no chili bowl <laughs> a bowl of chili <laughs> <A> bowl <laughs> It's a good day for a bowl of chili. Yeah it will be in Austin. Hey, so uh, this is the uh, the big race, the uh, outlaw style race, big wings on dirt, sliding sideways, big cubic inch motors and in a lot of their classes. so uh, that's where he is today but uh, specifically talking about his big announcement about the NASCAR bit. And so, you know, what is so great about it is he is going to be focusing on the big tracks, the one mile tracks. And so what it, you know, which unfortunately means he's not coming to Coda for us. And so, uh, but yet it's another one. So he is joining the Sam Hunt racing, Toyota racing team, and, uh, you know, which is a very formidable team as we've seen out there, but he's focusing only on the, the big ovals. He's going to be dealing primarily with just jumping in and getting in and getting going right away because he's not getting the opportunity to go to have very much practice. He's not going to have much for qualifying any of those things. It's really just being thrown to the wolves, jumping in a car and doing well. You know, he's been in, uh, you know, gosh, what is this? This is fourth genre of cars to get in now. So yeah. this is uh, at this least is something else to watch him come in. And in particularly only as a 22 year old.
3: Yeah. And you know what? Uh, I, I think he was outstanding last year of all the rookies that came into Indy. Santino Ferrucci was without doubt the most exciting to me. I mean, I know Coltland Herter uh, and there were several others, but F- Ferrucci was not in the top team. Uh, but he was doing extraordinary things on the ovals and um, they were really pleased with him. So I think he's one of those guys. That's just a natural. Um, there are guys that have to work at their craft and guys that really couldn't drive anything. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has success at the chili bowl tonight, because he's that kind of driver. If it's got a wheel and f- four wheels underneath him, he's, he's all over it.
4: Sure. He's also going to be participating in, in the super late model, test and so that's a good thing as well that ties in that's going to give him as close to a taste of getting on the the full-fledged NASCAR series as he can get right now that is it it's big uh him fitting into NASCAR I think he's going to be a good fit for the community and the culture of NASCAR uh it's changing it's a you know it's a very methodical and athletic based driver now it's no longer bubba and his beer gut you know style approach these are guys that are worked out they've studied the racing they're getting into the technology is uh following into nascar as well Well, i i've told you
3: not to call me that on air
4: (laughs) (laughs) i think he's gonna do very well and i think he's gonna bring quite a bit uh with his own skills and, and experience
7: yeah i agree
0: all right boys let's take a break and we come back jonathan i want to talk to you about it's actually something kind of serious but maybe not but I, I, we need to maybe? maybe get bobby epstein on the show because uh i don't know i, I will talk about that when we come back from the break and listen to speed city live from austin and we'll be back after a quick break
7: Talk,
3: 1370. My uncle has a country place.
2: This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, we're going to talk more about this, but let's tell
0: us why we're playing the Rush song.
4: Why the Rush song, Red Brachetta? Well, I saw an interesting commentary online this week that, uh, you know, some people may say it's coming true. Well, you may know Rush's song, Red Brachetta. It's a great song. I ride my mountain bike to it. That's how I start the workout, things like that. But it actually goes back to 1973. There's an article in Road and Track, That was written by richard foster it's in the november 73 issue it's called a nice morning drive think of you think of it if you will it's a story about a young guy that goes to visit you know a young kid that goes to visit his grandfather these are in the days that there's no more motorized vehicles engines gas burning kind of vehicles and uh he goes and his grandfather shows him what what sounds like an old muscle car but in the original interpretation i think it's an mg or jaguar so it, it way, was set
0: uh, in like 2050 or something was supposed to be what yeah it
4: was. yeah and it's set you know off in the future which uh what it goes on but uh, it talks about gas burning engines not being around anymore and you've got these you know spacecraft type of you know patrolmen that come chasing him and, and the chase ensues and so What made that interesting in this guy's commentary is he went on to say something about, well, you know, the government's kind of pushing us into this hybrid, this this so-called clean energy, these green cars that get better, you know, power, they're hybrids, we're getting away from gasoline so much, there's these incentives to drive an electric car that don't burn gas, all of these things going on. You know, and some of the metrics that were thrown out, I, I validated a few of them that multiple sources say that 50% of the vehicles on the road will be electric vehicles by 2040. Well, that's mm-hmm. only 20 years away. And that, that's a big chunk where I think they say uh, less than 10% currently, I think was one of the numbers I saw that are electric, certainly a lot more hybrids. But uh, then they talk about 90% of the cars. If you look at some of the global environmental communities and uh, organizations that are driving environmental concerns, They are pushing their goals to have 90% of the vehicles by 2050 electric based. Well, okay, so what? So what you want? That's just print. But then enters Mr. Elon Musk.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Austinite. Austinite.
4: Oh, yes. Uh Austinite for the richest
3: man in the world officially as of this week. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes.
4: Quite sizably. So there's some things that's going on with Elon that talks about it. an interesting situation that you may not actually own your vehicle. Yes, it would be a Tesla, yes, 100% electric. But what a lot of people have kind of missed is 2021 is the year that Elon said he wants a 100% full self-driving vehicle that you can just step out of onto the curb at work and your car drives away empty. Why do you want it to do that? because elon has also proposed a business model that uh when john massengill drops off at the curb and he steps into work he can touch his app on his phone and say check it in to the uh the tesla cab service or or the uber like
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
4: and now his car will run as a driverless uber vehicle if you will around while he's at work not only of saving John cost of parking, yeah, it's using some charge, but he's sa- he's saving John parking costs, but also the car is now gaining revenue, potentially even paying for itself out there and utilizing that. So Elon Musk has a lot of interesting ideas. And when this comment I saw listed all of these things, that kind of makes that motor law mentioned in uh, Red Pachetta sound Maybe not too distant, not too far-fetched.
0: I know. If, if you look at back at that, it's kind of eerie how similar the, that is. And what, what started all that, of course, is Neil pert the Rush drummer that you heard, apparently passed away in the last couple of days, right? Or was it yesterday? Or Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a, a couple of days ago. Fantastic anyway, drama. Fantastic drama. Yeah. yeah. Unless I, there's only one thing wrong with that story, and that is you're not going to find me in the back of a driverless car. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's it. Well,
4: you know, when I got to take the uh, Tesla D out, um, I mentioned something to the uh, the corporate guy that was taking me out and around in it. And I said, you know, I don't know that I'll ever get used not to having a, a rumbling V8, you know, rumbling American sound behind me. Well, he reached over to that giant big screen in the middle of the console, <laughs> hit the button, the button and uh, there was a rumbling motor. <laughs> Coming through the stereo. <laughs> the the, yeah.
3: the, uh, the BMW uh, electric car has exactly that. You can you can have piped in sound of uh, uh, of uh, engines.
0: You'd be surprised how many cars to have that. You don't even know have that, so. Yeah. Well, remember when the Audi uh, LMP car piped it back into the
4: cabin for the drivers to hear because they were yeah. losing sensory, not hearing that motor.
3: Yeah, I, I remember Alan McNish talking about that in the early days of the development. Um, it was too quiet and he couldn't he couldn't work out when to change gear.
0: Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Kevin Kelly just texted at us and he said it was uh, the year anniversary of Neil Peart's death. So sorry ah. about that. But yeah, um, Jonathan, when we went to break, I was talking about something that we may need to call Bobby Epstein about just to get his take on it. And that is so the vaccination rollouts going slower than planned. Um, even if it was on pace that they talked about, it's still not, we're not going to be through with this pandemic for a while. And we now have MotoGP and NASCAR scheduled to happen at COTA. MotoGP on April 18th and NASCAR May 23rd, uh, you know, I, I don't see those being canceled anymore, probably not, because like I was saying about Formula One, the world kind of has it figured out. But we could easily see them with either limited or no sta- no fans in the stands.
3: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm more worried about MotoGP than NASCAR. NASCAR have proved that they can pretty much go anywhere as a series, uh, as they did this year, uh, which is both good and bad. It's bad because what we want from the NASCAR event at Coda is for it to be like a Daytona or a... Um, Indianapolis type festival where people bring their RVs or camp out and and enjoy it and it becomes a big festival with music and everything else and I think that certainly listening to Bobby uh, is what he wants too so that's a bad news situation but I think more than that MotoGP um, given that it's April and given that it's 2000 plus Europeans traveling to what is still, I'm sad to say a COVID center, if not worse than Europe here in the United States. Um, I have my doubts uh, and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I, I, we're a long way from out of this. I hate to say it. We're a long, long way about it. And whether you believe it or not, um, I still think we're, we're going to be going long into the fall um, dealing with this pandemic, pa- um, you know, panacea or vaccine or no vaccine.
0: Yeah. Hey, we just had a uh... Uh, somebody tweet at us, and, and I love this tweet. It was Adam Haley, and he says, "If Tesla could put the Renault R twenty five V ten, what is that about two thousand five Formula One car? If they could put that sound into their cars. They would sell hot, hotcakes. Yeah, So they need to uh, they need to contact Renault and uh, pay a little royalty fee for that sound and put it into the Tesla. <laughs> oh, I'd be up for that. Yeah, now we're talking. Uh, uh, well, Jonathan, yeah, I think you're. Yeah, I mean." I I, uh, I just hope that they are able to make them work in some way and take the lessons that everyone's learned in the last year. And because lots of people are doing their jobs, you know, going to their jobs and making life work. But it's still, we're not out of this. So I don't know what's going to happen. But um, uh, well, Jonathan, we have just a little bit of time left. You had one more story that I wanted to ask you about in your... Showdoc And um it was about actually was going back to Mick Schumacher about how Bonotto said that he yeah. had to only two years at Haas,
3: yeah. Um, I, I mean, like I said, we're all excited because Mick Schumacher, name or no name it is the f two champion. So if you look at this sort of um, you know results in the past, he is the next George Russell. Which is really good news for Haas. Uh, whether you like the fact that they got rid of uh, Grosjean and Magnussen or not, um, I'm still, I'm, I'm still on the fence about it. But either way, this is the next big thing, and he has been a big thing r- regardless of his name. I remember when he first arrived at Macau in F3. Um, you know, I-, I was, I was taking my hat off then for the bravery of the young man because he, his father had only just had his accident. Um, and, of course, you know, with a name like Schumacher, you're going to target on your back. So. We
0: are out of time, buddy. Hey, I th- want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Thank everyone for tuning in. I appreciate it. And we will talk to you next Sunday night.
7: Happy travel. Right.
5: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.